What a day, what a day, what a day. Good afternoon, I'm Brother Tyrone Jones, and I want to take this opportunity to welcome you to the Salvation Has Been Brought Down podcast series. Uh, Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in today and hope that you have enjoyed uh, the previous uh, podcast where we talked about the two-step plan. And so we're delighted to have the opportunity once again uh, to share with you a lesson today that is dealing with implementing natural evangelism. Again, today's lesson will deal with implementing uh, natural evangelism. And so as always, uh, I ask that you grab your Bibles, paper and pencil, and we want you to be able to uh, take some notes and make some observations. And then at the end of the series or the session, you can uh, tell us how you uh, feel about the session by subscribing to uh, the uh, podcast and giving us some comments and some feedback. We'd love to uh, get your feedback, and we're just uh, excited to to have this opportunity to share with you today. And so, uh, again, uh, one of the things that we uh, hear in the Church of Christ is we ask that uh, you investigate what the Scripture has to say. And we put a lot of emphasis on investigating. And uh, when you investigate something, that means you're going to do some research. And, uh, of course, with research, you recognize that when you do research, you have to have more than one source. And so uh, if you have your Bible, you have a very strong resource because uh, it's filled uh, with the Word of God, and you can go directly to your Bible and uh, look up scriptures and then uh, research it further. And so we ask that you investigate what we have to say to make sure that what we're talking to you about is the truth and it comes directly from the Bible. And so once again, we're going to be talking about implementing natural evangelism uh, in your church. And so uh, there's an author called Matthew Moran. He is the author of the Natural Evangelism book. And so if you are interested in uh, purchasing that book, it's called Natural Evangelism by uh, Matthew, Matthew Moran. And uh, he is a member of the Church of Christ. And so let's begin this study. And so the first thing I want to look at today is compassion and not condemnation. And so when we begin to talk about compassion, we're talking about the compassion that Jesus implemented towards the multitudes of people. So uh, when you're trying to share the gospel with people, uh, you have to be compassionate. And you, one of the first things you want to do is talk about, you might talk about how you became a Christian. And uh, so, in other words, you're being authentic, you're being real, uh, 
and you're telling the truth about your becoming a Christian. Uh, you want to create interest uh, in how God has impacted you as a person or a Christian because everybody has a story. And, 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 and so you have to be authentic because you want people to uh, visualize uh, what you've gone through and what brought you uh, in helping you make the decision to become a Christian. So, but when he saw the multitudes, we're talking about Jesus, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And so when you think about that, the world is full of people who are uh, not doing their best. They're not feeling well. They're going through the various trials and tribulations. They don't know how uh, they're going to get their next meal. They don't have a place to stay. Um, and so they're in need of compassion. And this is one of the uh, strong points about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the compassion that he had for people. And so, in other words, you have, to, you have to care about people if you're going to help bring a person to Christ. And they need to see that in your life and the life that you walk. So, my story in natural evangelism. So, if I tell you my story about how I became a Christian... This is the story. I had a babysitter, okay, and my wife and I would always, you know, drop our kids off, pick our kids up uh, from the babysitter. And uh, the babysitter one day decided that she was going to invite me to a congregation, which was the Hamilton Park Church of Christ at that particular time. And uh, I said, okay. Uh, now, one of the things she pointed out to me is that she said, well, you know, we don't have a choir, we don't have instruments of music and that sort of thing, okay. And I said, okay. And I was able to say okay because I had been doing some studying. And that was one of the things that I had talked about in uh, searching for the truth. Because when a person is searching for the truth, they will be seeking God and, and, and seeking God through the word. And so I was doing that. And as a result of that, I visited the church and, um, and I really enjoyed the service. And, and uh, I was able to make a connection within that service. And, uh, and, I, and I continued to go. And as I was continued to study my Bible, uh, I could see that the teachings that were going on in the church was relevant to the Bible. So it really caught my attention. And But what my point is, is that when you're searching for the truth, God will make a way to dispatch another person to share with you information that will bring you to learn uh, about the church, and that's what he did through my babysitter. And I'm grateful today uh, 
that we came across her and it saved our lives and we became Christians as a as a result of that and so I was baptized um, during a gospel campaign back in 1988 and uh, so I've been faithfully following the church since 1988. And so that's my story. Now, there are many other stories that people have, but that's my story. So when we talk about uh, natural evangelism, everyone has a story as to how they become into the body of Christ. Now, as we look a little bit closer, evangelism begins in the home. So the question would be, what does your personal house or home look like? And so we're going to look at a few scriptures, Ephesians 5, 20, 22, Ephesians 5, 25, Ephesians 5, 33, Ephesians 6. We're going to look at a few scriptures. So at Ephesians 5, 20 through 22, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husband as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So we see that there's a situation here where Husbands and wives have to be able to connect to each other. They are, uh, through the scriptures, they are a team that works together. And God uh, says to the wives, just submit yourself unto your own husband as unto the Lord. So if you wives submit yourselves to your husband as to the Lord, Husbands, you have to love your wives as Christ loved the church. And so when you put that together, that's a very important component of the household. What does your household look like? Wives and husbands, are you able to work together based on the scriptures there? It is a teamwork, and that's important. Now watch um, uh, Ephesians 5.25. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. I'm sorry. Uh, Ephesians 5.33. Nevertheless, uh, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverends her husband. So this is very important. So as the husband and wives work together as a team, it is so important that the husband love his wife, but more importantly, it is so important that the wife respects her husband. So I wanted to really point that out. There's a two-way situation here. And I believe that when that uh, when this formula is in place, that's the strength of a husband and wife working together.
All right, now let's look at uh, children. Uh, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So now we're talking about children. Husband and wives working together as a team, and now we have to have the children understanding this uh, biblical principle. Children obey parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, what's going to happen when I do that? Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandments with promise. So there's a promise. There's a promise there. And what is the promise? That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. So children, it is so important that you obey your parents in the Lord, that you might have what? A long life on the earth. And so when you put this um, together, the parents, husband and wives, children working together through the word of God and what the scripture says, you have a home that is unified, a home that is working together. And so that's the first component there. Now, the second component is invite God into your life. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 17, verse 28. For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of our own poets have said. For we also are his offsprings. In other words, we are his children. And so it's so important to know that, that we are God's children. We are his offsprings. Paul is simply saying that man cannot exist without God for a single minute. So that helps us to see that uh, we have to recognize that we need God in our lives. We cannot exist without God in our lives. And so we are God's offsprings. We are his children. So what does your daily walk look like? What does your daily walk look like? So these are some things that you can ask yourself from a natural evangelism point of view. Do I read my Bible daily? Do I pray daily? Do I attend worship? Do I love God and others? Do I participate in ministry? This is how your daily walk should look. And if you're doing this, uh, I commend you for that because this will keep you focused. You're reading your Bible. You're praying. You're worshiping. Uh, you're showing compassion and love for others. And you're participating in a form of ministry. And so when we say a form of ministry, you're involved in a ministry of the church were you able to uh, minister through uh, helping the church, helping people and doing different things, uh, different activities of the church, that will, in essence, exhort and bring others into uh, the body of Christ. So 
purposeful worship to God. 1 Corinthians 10, 17, Galatians 2, 20, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 30. So now we're looking at purposeful worship. And this is so important as it relates to uh, natural evangelism. Worship is designed to worship God in spirit and in truth. That's one. Second, it is for saints to come together and have a mutual faith. So we're looking at when we come together uh, to worship, it's for the saints to come together and have a mutual faith, a collective um, worship with a mutual faith. And then to give honor and reverence to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for what he has done for us as Christians, for what he has done for us uh, through uh, giving his life on the cross at Calvary. And it's important that we recognize that and that we uh, mem uh, memorize that and give a memorial of that every worship that we come into. And also to recognize the Passover and what he has done for mankind. So purposeful worship to God is very important. So let's look at the alignment across ministries. When we look at natural evangelism, uh, there's a need for ministry involvement. And there's a need for ministries to work together. And there's also a need for ministries to be aligned. And so as you look at the visual there, we see a vehicle. And uh, that vehicle is in the process of receiving an alignment and for those of you that drive, when you know that a vehicle is not aligned or the tires are not aligned when you're driving, it'll either pull you from left to right or it might just pull you to the left. But when it does that, it wears and tears the tires down, okay? And it could be dangerous and also can uh, decrease the gasoline uh, efficiency, uh, I've heard that. But what we're looking at alignment. So when your vehicle is like that, what do you do? You take it into the shop and you get it aligned so that it can what run properly. Well, the idea for all ministries to have an evangelistic component. So in other words, when we look at ministry in the church, uh, ministries... Um, need to be aligned together. So in other words, if I, if I have a benevolence ministry and that ministry meets to, uh, to provide uh, help and assistance to those in need, well, what kind of evangelistic component is needed there? Yes, those individuals need help, but at the same time, an evangelistic component would be to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Give them information about the church. Give them information about their soul salvation that could help them 
to grow and might help them uh, to come into the body of Christ. And so, in other words, if I have 10 ministries, uh, the food pantry, clothing ministry, uh, benevolence ministry, uh, uh, and the list goes on and on, each one of those ministries should have an evangelistic component. It should always be geared towards an avenue to save an individual or to help bring an individual into Christ. That's what we mean by uh, an alignment. And so you don't want a ministry there uh, in the church. It's, it's a ministry, but it's not doing anything from an evangelistic point of view. And that's so important. So ministries must have purpose in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's needed. And when that's taking place, you know that the ministries are aligned together. Jesus Christ implements outreach throughout his ministry, and he did that. He said unto them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Is go ye, go me, fruitful? Watch what he says. Was Jesus fruitful with Zacchaeus? Luke 19.9. This day salvation is come to his house. Was Jesus fruitful with the woman at the well? John 4.29. Come see a man which told me all things that I did. Is not this the Christ? Were Priscilla and Aquila fruitful with Apollos? Acts 18.28. For he is mightily convinced, the Jews, showing by scriptures, that Jesus was the Christ. And so we see that ministries working together with the purpose of, of, of alignment and how the gospel is shared. We see it through a discipline of caring for people. And that's why I mentioned early on, a discipline of caring for people is so important if you're going to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here are my send me moment, John 20, verse 20 through 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be, to, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So, as I look at this, uh, this is a here I am, send me moment. In other words, can God use you in his kingdom? Here I am, Lord, send me moment. What do you need me to do? Jesus says it. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So as Christians, 
we have to have that same same mindset as Christ. Here I am. Send me, Lord, that I might be useful in your kingdom. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching what? The gospel. And that's what they did. From the sin, here I am, send me moment. Now, let's take a look at what the gospel is for. The gospel is for those who are sick. Matthew 9, verses 11 through 12. Watch the scriptures. When the Pharisees said this, they said to the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well and have no need of a physician but those who are sick. So in other words, um, it's all about those who are sick, those who are in need. Those are the individuals that need the gospel. It's not those that are well and everything is going perfect in their lives. It's not for the, the Christian that has already obeyed the gospel. The gospel is for those who are sick and are in need. That's who we need to take the gospel to. We have to recognize that there are those who have infirmities. What are infirmities? They are basically, basically physical or mental weaknesses or lackings in their lives. And there are many people that have those infirmities. And we need to get the gospel to them. Sometimes these are weaknesses such as human pain, stress, and suffering. And we know that, that there are many people that are going through the human pain, stress, and suffering. I emphasize that a lot in the uh, session on searching for the truth and, and, and the suffering and pain uh, that, that people are going through in their lives and they're trying to find a way out uh, of, their, of those situations. These people uh, that Christ is talking about here were once upon a time they were manipulators of their occupations and were sinners. And so this helps us to see that if we're going to take the gospel into the world, we got to take it to those who are sinners. The medical doctor does not go to those that are well, but to those that are what? Ill. We have to take the gospel to those who are sick. So another important component of natural evangelism is scatter the seed no matter what. Luke 8, 4 through 5 through 15. So in other words, uh, when we think about spreading the gospel, the gospel is not just for one culture. We're talking about various culture. doesn't have anything to do with black, white, brown, red, it doesn't have anything to do with color. Gospel, when we go into the world, is about going into the various cultures 
uh, that are in need. So when we scatter seeds, you can't say, well, I'm just going to scatter seed because I know this. You have to have an open mind where you know that in the various cultures and society in which we live in, there are souls to be saved, not just in one race, but in all races. So we have to be able to break the barrier of racism down and recognize that we have to come together in uh, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how do you do that? You have to be sensitive to people. And when God gives you his seal, he says that I'm going to be with you always, even unto the end of the earth, Matthews 28 and 20. And that's a promise that he gives us. But all he needs us to do is scatter the seeds. You plant a seed, God will do the increasing. So, for pray for laborers to work in the field. And we know this is an area uh, where we have to pray to get people involved in evangelism, people involved in ministry, people involved in wanting to share uh, the gospel. And so pray. We need to be in a church that prays for laborers because the laborers are few. And uh, so Jesus says pray for laborers to work in the field. Another important component in natural evangelism is we have to build teams, we have to build relationships and ministries. There are times when the church leaders and members have to form teams to implement, implement the work of the Lord. And this is so important because when you're implementing the work of the Lord, this is one thing we have to avoid. We have to avoid a puffed-up syndrome, 1 Corinthians 4, 6. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sake that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up one against another. So, in the church, in team building, in ministry, we have to work together. And uh, as we look at this visual here, we see a diversity of people. And that's what the church is all about. We have to work together. Where there's diversity, and I want to emphasize that, there is an answer. I like that. Where there is diversity, the answer is there. And that's good to know because God did not create us all to be the same way. And so when we're doing his will, when we're working together as a team, God will make a way to provide us with the information that we need, the answers that we need to get the job done. Training ensures that the church leaders are continuing to grow as well as the members of the congregation. And so, yes, we have to train 
We have to continue to work on those things uh, that will help us improve. And so, in other words, uh, you assess what's going on in a particular, uh, particular ministry, and then you go back and you take a look at it to see uh, how it's functioning. Is it working? What's not working about uh, this ministry? What's not working about this uh, process? And then you go back and you assess it, reassess it, and then uh, and you move forward. And so training is something you should do on a regular basis to get better and to improve the work of the church, especially for uh, those who are in leadership roles. So systems thinking, Matthews 28, uh, verses 19 through 20, acts and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. So systems thinking is what I was just talking about. When we look at systems thinking, I talked about alignment. And uh, when you look at alignment, uh, when things are aligned, it means that everybody uh, is doing the same thing or they're working together uh, to get the job done. That's systems thinking. You want to have system thinking in all your areas because now when you have system thinking, you know that the process will go through a certain sequence. And, and if it goes through a certain sequence, chances are it will work. And that's what we were talking about when you have a person that's a part of a system and that person is going to the left and to the right, you have broken the system's thinking. That's what will tear the church down and the leadership down when that process is in place. So you need system thinking. Everybody working, everybody working together. When Christ prayed that the church might be what? Unified, one in one accord, one mind. That's system thinking. And so we have to really be sensitive to that and recognize the importance of that. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations. See, they're baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and I am surely and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's system thinking. So when he sent the disciples out into the world, they learned the same system. And that system is what uh, they were taught to do. That's system thinking. So in other words, when they taught the gospel, they taught the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Partnerships within the brotherhood. We think about natural evangelism. Partnerships within the brotherhood. That's important. Being able to work together. 
Partnerships across a brotherhood will ensure that we are speaking and teaching the same thing without taking away or adding to the doctrine of the apostles. And so there it is again. So notice what I said. Uh, it will ensure that we are speaking, teaching the same thing. That's systems thinking. And when we have systems thinking, we're not adding or we're not taking away from because we are what? Aligned in our thinking. That they all may be what? One. I was talking about this prayer. Jesus prays in John uh, 17, 21, that they all may be one. So that helps us to see that he wants us to be one. Father art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So there it is. Uh, we have to have system thinking and we have to work through brotherhood, through the brotherhood, through missionaries and throughout the world and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so another part of uh, natural evangelism is to celebrate when a soul has been added to the body. So when a soul is added to the body, that's a moment to celebrate. Uh, the angels in heaven, every time a soul has been added to the body of Christ, the angels in heaven, they're rejoicing. We should also rejoice uh, when a soul has been added to the body of Christ. And there's nothing wrong with celebrating that and showing that individual that, uh, that we love them and that uh, we want to do everything we can to help them begin their Christian walk. So, preaching the gospel, 2 Timothy 4 and 2. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebu rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And so, I believe this. As, as Christians and as, as, as members of the body of Christ, we follow the orders of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ or people die. And so in other words, what we're saying is that if we're doing what Jesus has asked us to do, the fewer people that will die. So we have to follow that. We're in the business of saving lives. That's the church. We're in the business of saving lives. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. He died that the world might have a chance to eternal life. And we gotta be grateful for that. So alone, what can we do? Together we have the power. So you see, when we're working together in the church, we have power when we work together. Again, alone, what can we do? Together we have the power through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Now, if you have any additional questions, concerns, thoughts, please reach out to me at tjones at gaclc.org or you can call me at 972-677-9133. And so again, we want to certainly thank you so much for tuning in today uh, to this session on Implementing Natural Evangelism. And uh, so thank you so much. Again, uh, you can reach out to us at the Greenville Avenue Church of Christ located in Richardson, Texas. Hope you have taken some notes and uh, remember to subscribe to the podcast and give your, give your feedback uh, so that we can continue to better serve uh, in this capacity. Again, thank you so much. God bless you. Bye-bye. the Lord. Salvation has been brought down.